Amen. All right, well, we're there in John chapter number one. And of course, uh, we are continuing through this uh, series that we started last week uh, entitled Shine as Lights. And we're studying this idea of light in the Bible. And last week we began by talking about the fact that Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. And then Jesus said, I, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus looked at his disciples. He looked at uh, you and I, and he said, ye are the light of the world. And last week we talked about uh, what it means to let your light so shine before men. Uh, this week we're going to be looking at this idea of the armor of light. And I want to just begin by laying a little bit of foundation of this, the concept of light versus darkness in the Bible. You're there in John chapter 1. If you look at verse number one, the Bible says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And of course, that's not, I'm not preaching about this uh, this morning, but that's a great verse there on the deity of Christ and uh, the Trinity. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. The Him there is referring to the Word. And without Him, the Word was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was, I want you to notice these words, the light of men. So the Bible says that in him, in the word, was life, and the life was the light of men. And then notice verse 5, the Bible says this, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. So the Bible tells us here that the darkness does not comprehend the light. The word comprehend means to apprehend, to uh, be able to understand, to be able to uh, grasp, to be able to have in knowledge. The Bible tells us that the darkness does not comprehend, does not apprehend, does not grasp, does not understand the light. The darkness will never understand the light. And there is this conflict between darkness and light because darkness does not comprehend light. Now, keep your, uh, keep your place there in John and go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 22. If uh, Just go, go backwards uh, into the book of Luke, Luke chapter 22. And, and let me just say this, this is all by way of introduction. Not only does darkness not comprehend light, but the Bible teaches that there is a conflict between darkness and light. Luke chapter 22. In Luke 22, we have the story, uh, the passage of Jesus being arrested If you look down at verse number 52, the Bible says this, Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be come out as against a thief with swords and staves. He says in verse 53, When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hand against me. And he's explaining to them that what they're doing They're doing in darkness. They're doing in the cover of darkness. They're not making it manifest in the light. He's he's questioning them, and he's bringing attention to the fact. He says, why are you coming out against me like a thief? He said, said, why are you coming out against me like you caught me in the middle of the night doing something I shouldn't be doing? He says, I was daily with you in the temple. He said, I... Uh, my ministry was manifested in the light. He said, what I did was seen of all men. When I was daily with you in the temple, he said, you stretched forth no hand against me. He said, in the light, you didn't have the, uh, uh, the, 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 the arrogancy to try to arrest me or try to stretch forth your hand against me. Then he makes this statement. He says, but this is your hour. And he says, and the power of darkness. See, there is a conflict between darkness and light. Jesus is the light. He said, I am the light of the world. 
He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And the Bible says that in him was life and the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. And here Jesus, when he was arrested, he said, you know, this right now, the authority you're having, the power you're having, he says, it is the power of darkness. So there is this conflict between darkness and light. Go to the book of Acts, if you would. Acts chapter 26. You have there Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. Acts 26. You go past the book of John, where we started, into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 26. And what we need to understand this morning is that not only are we the light of the world, and we should let our light so shine before men, and if you're not sure what that means, I'd encourage you to listen to last week's sermon, because we broke down from the Bible. What does it mean to let your light so shine before men? But I also need you to understand that as the light... We are also in conflict, we are in a war, we are in a battle against darkness. Acts 26, look at verse 18. Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, the Bible says this, and we'll delve into this verse more next week, but he says to open their eyes and to turn them. And he's talking to the Apostle Paul and what he's called him to do, and this is really the ministry of every soul winner. He says that we are to go and open their eyes and to turn them, notice, from darkness to light. He said, the world's in darkness, and our job is to go to this dark world and to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Then he says this, because you might say, well, what does that mean, darkness and light? There's this conflict between darkness and light, and darkness does not comprehend light. What are we talking about exactly? Well, he explains it here in verse 18. He says, and from the power of Satan unto God. See, the power of darkness is the power of Satan. The power of darkness is the power of evil. Everything that's wicked, everything that's satanic, everything that's devilish in this world is the power of darkness. And you and I are the children of light. We are uh, part of the kingdom of light, and we are in a conflict. And I have found in ministry that one of the toughest things to help Christians, uh, that, that many Christians don't understand, is that you are not just saved. Hopefully you're saved, but there's more to salvation than just where you're going when you die. You know what? When you got saved, you also got enlisted as a soldier. You are in an army. You are enlisted to be part of a battle uh, of light versus darkness, and we are turning people from the power of Satan, the power of darkness, unto the power of light. Go to the book of Ephesians, if you would, Ephesians chapter 6, you're there in the book of Acts, you have Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 6, and look at verse number 12, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Ephesians 6, 12 is a very well-known passage. When we talk about spiritual warfare, the Bible says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, notice these words, of the darkness of this world. See, it is the rulers of the darkness of this world with whom we are fighting. It is the rulers of the darkness of this world 
with whom we are wrestling, with whom we are contending against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there is this conflict, there is this battle, there is this going back and forth between light and darkness, between Satan and God, between the soldiers of Satan and the soldiers of Christ. There is this battle that is going on. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, he goes on, if you read the the rest of the passage, he goes on and tells you to put on the whole armor of God. And he gives us this description of the armor of God because we're supposed to put on this armor in order to engage in spiritual warfare. I'm not going to preach about that uh, necessarily, uh, those that passage this morning, but I'd like you to go back to the book of Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 13. And I want you to notice that in Romans 13, there is another reference to armor. Ephesians 6 is the famous, you know, armor of God passage. Wherefore, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We have that famous passage there in the book of Ephesians. But in Romans chapter 13, uh, there is also a reference to this armor that we are supposed to put on. I want you to notice how it is described. Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, the Bible says this, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. He says, Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on, notice these words, the armor of light. See, the point is this. You and I are supposed to engage in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is the conflict between darkness and light, between Satan and God, between the things of God and the things of this world. But the way that we do that is by putting on the armor, Ephesians 6, the armor of God, here is referred to as the armor of light. Because it is a battle between light and darkness. We're supposed to put on the armor of light. Now here's the interesting thing, and here's kind of the thought for this morning. Go back to the book of Ephesians, if you would. Keep your place right there in Romans, because we're going to come back to it. Romans chapter 13. But go to the book of Ephesians, if you would. You've got Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 5. What I want to talk to you about this morning is how to put on the armor of light. How to put on the armor of light. Because the whole point of putting on the armor, he says, he says, put on, Romans 13, 12, the armor of light. You put on the armor in preparation to go into battle. You don't put the armor on while you're in battle. In fact, if you're trying to put the armor on while you're in battle, you're in trouble. It's too late. You're supposed to suit up. You're supposed to put it on. You're supposed to have the armor on before you actually begin engaging in battle. This morning I want to preach to you on the subject of the armor of light. But I want you to understand, we're not talking about engaging in the battle of spiritual warfare yet. Next week, we're going to be uh, talk about how it is that we actually engage. What is the actual strategy in the battle between light and darkness? But before we can even get there, we just have to learn how to put this armor on how to prepare ourselves, how to be ready to engage in spiritual warfare. Because the truth of the matter is this, that most Christians, though they are saved, I'm talking about Christians, people that are actually saved, not the people that call themselves Christians out there, but people who have actually, in faith, called upon Christ for salvation, believing in, 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 in a salvation that's not of works, eternal security, people that are actually saved, yes, they may be saved, but many of them are not ready for battle. And in fact, 
when they find themselves in spiritual battle, when they find themselves uh, fighting against spiritual warfare, because here's the truth, the warfare is coming whether you like it or not. The Bible says that, that our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, whether you say, well, I, I just want to be saved, but I don't want to fight. I just want to be saved, but I don't actually engage in spiritual warfare. Well, you better buckle up because the warfare is coming whether you like it or not. The lion's coming whether you like it or not. The lion's coming to devour and to destroy your spiritual life and your physical life and your marriage and your child rearing and your finances. Look, the devil is going to attack you, so you better figure out how to put it on that armor. Because you're going to have to fight whether you like it or not. It's part of the deal. So, well, I got saved. Yeah, but when you got saved, you got enlisted as a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he puts you into this battle. So how do we put on the armor of light? How do we put on this armor of light? And of course, when we think of armor, you know, we, we might think more of like a knight type armor, and that's a little different than what the Apostle Paul would have had in mind. But the interesting thing about the knights, you know, in this armor is that there was a, uh, a series of events that needed to take place. My kids, they, they like to read a lot, and they like to read a lot of historical type things, and they've got this book about knights, and they've got several books about knights, but uh, one of the books breaks down the different steps and the different things that had to happen for a knight to be able to suit up to go into battle. They needed to have a helper. There were certain things that went on first and then second and third and fourth. And it was all this big ordeal to put on this armor just to be ready to go into battle. And spiritually, it's the same way. You must put on the armor of light. So how do we do it? Number one, I'm going to give you two thoughts this morning, two thoughts with uh, two sub points each, all right? So you can follow along. I usually do three points, but I'm doing two points this morning. I had a third point, but I just felt like I had too much. So here's point number one. To put on the armor of light, number one, we must cut off the works of darkness. What are we talking about? We're talking about practicing separation. Notice there in Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. For ye were, past tense, if you're saved, this is no longer the case. For ye were sometimes darkness. He's a, here, Paul's saying, he's talking to the Ephesian Gentile believers. And this would apply to you and I as well. And he would say, you used to be darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Then he says this, walk as children of light. Now I would submit to you this, just because you are light doesn't mean you're walking as light. This idea that, well, if you're saved, then you're going to actually, you know, do the things of God. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. He says, he says, ye are, he says, he says, but now are ye light in the world. Then he says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Notice verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. He says, but rather reprove them. And we'll talk about that next week. But I want you to notice the first step to putting on the armor of light is that we must put off, we must cut off, we must uh, remove the works of darkness. And here we're told in verse 11 that we should have no 
fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. What does the word fellowship mean? It means to spend time together. It means to have a friendship. The Bible says that we must have no fellowship with darkness. And look, and when you think about a, a military war type example, doesn't that just kind of make sense? If you're going to go to battle in World War II against the Nazis, you can't really, you know, just be hanging out with the Nazis. Right? I mean, if you're going to go to battle, you can't be hanging out with the enemy. He says, look, God says, we are at battle. We are in battle, spiritual warfare against the world. So he says, I need you to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Because you cannot fellowship with darkness while fighting darkness. Fellowship and fighting are two different things. You can't do both at the same time. He says, we cannot fellowship with darkness and light. Go, uh, keep your place there in Ephesians. Go to 2 Corinthians if you would. If you go backwards, you've got Galatians and then the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. We must have no fellowship with darkness because we cannot fellowship with darkness and light. Look, and that, that's an easy concept, right? You can't turn a light on in a dark room and have both light and dark. It's either dark or it's light. You have to choose one. And in this battle between darkness and light, we need to decide, we need to decide where we stand, and we cannot have fellowship with darkness and light. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is the quintessential passage on the subject of separation. And that's really what we're talking about this morning when we say we must cut off the works of darkness. We're talking about practicing separation in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Notice what he says. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? He's saying, when's the last time you saw light and darkness having lunch together? When's the last time you saw light and darkness hanging out together? When's the last time you saw, he says, he says, light and darkness have no communion. He says, in the same way, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Belial is the devil. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then we see in verse 17, the great passage on separation. He says, wherefore? And the word wherefore means for this reason. For what reason? He says, here's why. Because you cannot have fellowship with righteousness and unrighteousness. Because you cannot have communion with light and darkness. Because there is no concord between Christ and Belial. Because there is no part that a believer should have with an infidel. He says, because of these things, he says, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. See, the truth of the matter is this, that the reason that most Christians do not engage in spiritual warfare is because most Christians do not practice separation in their lives. The Bible teaches this concept of separation, that we are to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? What exactly does that mean? Go to 1 John, if you would. 1 John chapter 1. If you started the book of Revelation and you head back, you've got Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1 John. And let me just say this. 
Obviously, we're not talking about the fact that we should not be friendly with worldly people and unsaved people. You work with unsaved people. You got to be friendly with them. You got to be kind to them. You have unsaved family. We understand that. You got to love your family. You got to pray for your family. You got to try to get your family that's not saved, saved. And we, we understand all that. But look, here's what the Bible teaches, that we should not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And when it comes to who we spend the majority of our time with, when it comes to who we are actually really close with and who we spend a lot of time with and who we spend a lot of fellowship time with, it ought not be the world. And that doesn't mean that we're unkind to the world. That doesn't mean that we're mean to them. But look, your main source of fellowship ought to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to be other light. Because light cannot hang out with darkness. There is no communion between light and darkness. We must spend our time. And by the way, that's why God gave you a local New Testament church. That's one of the reasons why we work so hard at Verity Baptist Church, even during coronavirus, to offer opportunities for fellowship, to have this meal, to have that meal, to have a ladies' Christmas party, to have, you know, why do we do those things? Why do we have a new members class? Why do we have discipleship class? Why do we have soul winning? You know, part of it is to do the work of God, but part of it is so that you can have an opportunity to fellowship with other believers. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you're going to be ready to fight the spiritual warfare that is required in your life. We must come out from among them and be separate. And and, and let me just say this. You're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice when you say, oh, I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to go to any event. And look, you can go to whatever events you want, and it doesn't make a difference to me. But I'm just telling you, spiritually, over the last 10 years of ministry, what I've learned is that the people who say, well, I'm going to show up to church on Sunday morning, but I'm not going to go to anything else. I'm not going to go to any other event. I'm not going to, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to look at anybody. I don't, I'm going to show up late. I'm going to leave early and whatever. Most of the time, those people will not make it in the Christian life. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm saying they will not be walking in light. Because we are created for community. We are created for fellowship. You will fellowship with someone. And if you don't fellowship with God's people, you'll fellowship with the world. And if you fellowship with the world, you'll end up a casualty in this battle of darkness versus light. First John chapter 1, are you there? Look at verse 6. First John chapter 1 and verse 6, the Bible says this. If we say, if we say that we have fellowship with him, this is what most Christians say. You ask the average Christian today, hey, do you, do you have fellowship with God? Oh yeah, I have fellowship with God. I have a relationship with God. If we say that we have fellowship with him, notice these words, and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. Here's what he's saying. You can't have fellowship with God who is light while walking in darkness. Those two things don't mix. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Notice, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, you would think that he would say, we have fellowship with God. If you and I wrote the Bible, that's what we would say. Because in verse 6 he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. That's the context of verse 6. 
us having fellowship with God. In verse 7 he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. You would think it would say we have fellowship with him. But notice it says we have fellowship one with another. What does that mean? You can't have fellowship with God without having fellowship with God's people. Don't tell me you're serving God if you're not faithful to church. The work of God is done through the local New Testament church. The work of God is done through the house of God. Fellowship with God. Look, this is the body of Christ. You say, how can I fellowship with God? Well, one way is by fellowshipping with God's people. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanseth us from all sin. Go to James chapter 4, if you would. James chapter 4. Go backwards. You got 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, James. James chapter 4. The doctrine of separation is this. Separation means to be set apart. I've always taught this, and I want you to understand this. Usually, as fundamental Baptists, we think separation is to be separated from the world. And if, you, if that's what you think, then you're only halfway there. Because separation is separation from the world unto God. From the world unto God. When we talk about separation, we often emphasize separation from the world. That's definitely an aspect of it. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. We have to be separated from the world. But separation is not simply being separated from the world. Some religions take separation from the world very far, and I agree with it. But they never understand the concept of unto God. Several months ago, my wife and I, I was preaching in Virginia, and, uh, West Virginia, and my wife and I took a uh, little tour in an Amish community. Had a little uh, couple getaway there for a couple days. And when we did this Amish tour, it was re- really interesting as we talked to these Amish people because they took us to these little uh, parts and businesses and um, we got to go into businesses owned by Amish people and uh, homes of Amish people and it was a very unique tour in the sense that we, we weren't just watching them, we actually got to interact with them. And you know what was really interesting as we talked to these Amish people and as we talked with our tour guide who uh, knew them very well and was close friends with them is that these Amish people know absolutely nothing about the Bible. They don't know anything about God. They're discouraged from reading the Bible. Their church services are in a language that none of them speak. And these people are very separated from the world. Very separated from the world. I mean, they live away from the world. They don't want any influence from the world. They don't want anything to do with the world. And hey, you know, whatever, all that's good. But they missed the mark when they did not realize that separation is from the world unto God. We must separate ourselves unto God. If you separate yourself from the world, if you separate yourself from the world, but you never separate yourself unto God, all you'll be is an Amish person. (laughs) Be real strict, real separated, real holy. Know nothing about the Bible. Know nothing about God. Know nothing about salvation. Just completely oblivious when it comes to the world. And look, Verity Baptist Church, we're not trying to create a bunch of Amish people. That's why we teach and and, and talk so much. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be emphasizing it even more. Daily Bible reading. Yesterday in our soul winning, uh, Brother Oliver in uh, in the soul winning uh, challenge talked about daily Bible reading. Look, you you said, why do you guys emphasize daily Bible reading so much? Because we believe in separation from the world unto God. And see, sometimes people, they come to church like this, and they're like, I tried that whole separation thing. It didn't work. No, you didn't work. 
Because when you look, you'll never survive, you'll never be ready if you say, oh, I'm just going to be separated from the world, separated from the world, separated from the world. But where's separation unto God? Where's your Bible reading? Where's your prayer time? Where's your walk with God? Look, we must walk with the Lord. We're told that we must cut off the works of darkness. We have to have no fellowship with darkness. Because you say, but, but why? Why does it matter? Look, here's why it matters. Because I, I cannot fellowship with darkness and fellowship with light. I cannot fellowship with the world and fellowship with God. And if you think, if you think that Christianity is have no fellowship with darkness, but you never fellowship with God, you're going to fail. You'll never make it. The whole point of coming out from among the world is so that you can walk in the light of God's word. It's so that you can walk in the light so you can fellowship with God. James chapter 4, you're there, look at verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Listen to me, some of you got friends you got to cut off. I'm not saying you need to be mean to them, but I'm not saying you need to, uh, you know, uh, just call them and say, I hate you and I never want to see you again. But I'm just saying there are some people in your lives you just, you need to cut out. If you're going to walk with God. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be friend, a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Look, the world is the enemy of God. And if you're on God's side fighting against the world, you can't be friends with the world who's fighting against God. That, that makes you a traitor. That makes you unloyal. We must cut off the works of darkness. We must have no fellowship with darkness because we cannot fellowship with darkness and light. And the whole point, the whole point is to fellowship with light. With God who is light and with God's people who are light. And again, I'm not telling you you need to be mean. I'm not telling you you need to go quit your job tomorrow and find a job where only safe people work. You're not going to find that. We understand we interact with the world. We get that. You have unsafe family members. You ought to love them. You ought to care for them. You ought to minister to them. But when I'm talking about the people that you spend your most of your time with, that you really uh, fellowship with, that really are encouraging you along the way, you can't have it be worldly people who don't love God, who don't love the things of God. We must cut off the works of darkness. Here's point number two. I said number one, we must cut off the works of darkness. We must have no fellowship with darkness because we cannot fellowship with darkness and light. Here's point number two. To put on the armor of light. I mean, we're talking about just getting suited up for battle. We're talking about just making it through boot camp. To, to, to fight... To engage in spiritual uh, warfare, you have to cut off the world. I mean, look, if we're we're fighting against a different country, I'm talking about a physical war, and you're in boot camp and they're like, hey, look, that's the enemy over there. You can't be friends with them. I, I think that's, you know, military 101. You can't be friends with the enemy. You can't fellowship with the enemy. You can't conspire with the enemy. But look, the enemy is the world. The devil, the world. Here's point number two. To put on the armor of light, not only should we cut off the works of darkness, point number two, we must cast off the works of darkness. Not only should we practice separation, but we should practice sanctification. 
Go back to Romans chapter 13, if you would. Look at verse 12. Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, the Bible says this, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Romans 13, verse 12. Then he says this, Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. The, the, those words cast off, they have this idea of taking something off. Like if I were to take off this coat, I'd be casting it off. I would be removing it. The Bible says that we must cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Now, what does that mean to cast off the works of darkness? Look at verse 13. Let us walk honestly. Talked about that last week. Honestly, authentically. We should be real. If the wor- look, if the world's going to look at you and say, and see your light and glorify your Father which is in heaven, you have to be the real thing. You can't be a hypocrite. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Then he says, then he says, here's the opposite of that. Okay? Not, not in writing. And that's applicable in 2020. If you're look, if you're in writing, you're not walking with the light. That's why they write at night, right? Not in writing. And of course the word writing means it has to do with, with disturbance, violence. Not in writing. And drunkenness. Drunkenness, talking about drinking alcohol and getting drunk. Not in chambering, that has to do with immorality. And wantonness, that has to do with lust. Not in strife, that's debate and contentious. And envying, that's desire. Look, here's what he's telling you. He's telling you, if you're going to put on the armor of light, before you can put on the armor of light, you have to cast off the works of darkness. You have to take them off. And then he gives us examples here of those types of things. And, you know, I would just say this. This is a list of examples that we could look at lots of lists of examples. But the idea is this, that we cannot be fighting the world while we're doing what the world does. We need to turn off, we need to take off, we need to cast off the works of darkness, the works that the world does. We need to take those off. And then he gives us these examples, rioting, drunkenness, chambering, uh, wantonness, strife, envying. And look, I would just say this. This includes the things, you say, what's a good rule of thumb? The things that are done in darkness should not be done by the children of light. Have you ever noticed that dark places are always sinful? Kids, learn this lesson. Dark places are sinful places. That's why casinos are dark. Because casinos are sinful. No Christian should ever walk into a casino, period. You say, why? Because they're dark. Because darkness happens there. Because prostitution happens there. Because drunkenness happens there. Because gambling happens there. Bars are are dark. I mean, I've never been in a bar, but anybody want to argue the fact that bars are dark? And kids, not only are bars dark, they smell like piss. And they smell like throw up. And they smell like old failures of people who are a bunch of drunkards. There's nothing cool about it. The world makes you, you know, the world, you see these ads and it's like, oh, these fun people, these people having fun. There's nothing fun in a bar. It's dark and it's dirty and, it, and, it, and it's dreadful. It's dark. They keep it dark for a reason. They don't want you to see the truth of it. 
That's why uh, clubs are dark. That's why concerts are dark. By the way, that's why we don't have church in the dark. That's why we turn the lights on when we have church. Say, well, I used to go to this church, this liberal church, and it was all dark. You know why it was dark? Because they wanted it to feel like a casino. Because they wanted it to feel like a bar. Because they wanted it to feel like a rock concert, because that's what they were having was a rock concert. That's why it was dark. This includes things that are done in darkness. But I would also say this, this includes anything that you don't want to come out into light. Look, if, if, you're, if you're keeping it a secret, you have to ask yourself, why? When somebody says, don't tell pastor, red flag. <laughs> don't tell Miss Joanne, red flag. Look, kids, if somebody says, don't tell your mom, red, red flag. Don't tell your dad. Run screaming and yelling in the other direction towards your mom and dad. Oh, well, it was my friend who said, red flag. Look, we need to cast off the works of darkness. We need to take off the works of darkness. We need to not do what, look, you can't fight the world when you're doing what the world does. Romans chapter 12, you're there in Romans 13, look at Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God wants you to present yourself to him as a living sacrifice. You say, well, how do I present myself to him? Holy and acceptable unto God. And then he, lo- he says this, and I love this, which is your reasonable service. There's nothing you do that is extraordinary for God. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm thankful for everything you do. Uh, to me, things people do around here for church and for God, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. But let me tell you something. When it comes to, when it comes to you doing it, and I'm the pastor, or my wife is the pastor's wife, and we're like, wow, that's so nice of you. That's so thankful. Great. We appreciate you. That's great. But when it comes to God, there is nothing you do that is unreasonable. Amen. Don't ever get to the point where you're like, well, I do so much for You don't do nothing for God. God saved you from going to hell. Everything I give him after that is very reasonable. Which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not, notice his words, conformed to this world. Look, I'm just, just be honest, let's just be honest. Is your life conformed to this world? Patterned after this world? Following the course of this world that's set up by the devil? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we must cast off. Not only must we cut off and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness and practice separation from the world, but then we should also practice sanctification and we must cast off the works of darkness from our lives. And then again, just like separation, sanctification. Separation is from the world unto God. Sanctification is from the world unto God. Not only do we cast off the world, we then put on Christ. Look at verse, Romans 13, verse 12. We flip back to chapter 13. Romans 13 and verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Then he says this, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Verse 14, but notice these words, but put ye on 
the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like this idea, this concept. It's so simple, yet it's so difficult for us. He says, you want to walk in darkness, or you want to walk in light? He said, it's easy. Just take off darkness and put on light. Like I put on a coat? Yeah, like you put on a coat. You just make a choice to do it. You just decide to do it. You say, I want to be a good Christian. Okay, well then put on Jesus Christ. And then you get up in the morning and you say, well, what would Jesus do? I'm going to put on Jesus Christ. I'm going to let him live through me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the grace of, the, of Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. We put on Christ, and then we live like Christ. So you put on Christ, and you say, well, what would Christ want me to do? Well, Christ would want you to show up for soul winning. I mean, right? I mean, let's just be honest. We had soul winning on Thursday at 2 p.m., on, sun, on Saturday at 10 a.m., on Sunday at 2 p.m. And if you were honest with yourself and you asked yourself this question, on Saturday morning at 10 a.m., what would Jesus want me to do if I put him on right now? I mean, it's not that complicated. When you speak to your children, how would Jesus want you to speak to your children? When you speak to your spouse, how would Jesus want you to speak to your spouse? Oh, it's not that easy. I can't, you don't understand. I can't control. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And, here, and you know you can. We all can because we all decide to do it whenever we want to. It's happened to all of us. You're sitting there screaming at the kids. You're yelling at the kids. Look, I'm a preacher, so I just tend to yell in general. And, um, you know, I'm like yelling at the kids. Clean this up and clean that up and go over there. Ding dong. Hi. How are you? Don't tell me you can't control it. You don't want to control it. You're yelling at your husband. You're yelling at your wife. Ring. Hello. I hate you. (laughs) Yes, I'd like to learn about refinancing my mortgage. (laughs) I mean, we turn it on and off. It's as easy as taking a coat off and putting a coat on. It's just a decision you make. You decide, do I want to walk in darkness or do I want to walk in light? Do I want to put off the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I want to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. In this passage, by the way, he gives us two practical advices, just some practical advice for getting victory over sin. Notice he says, first of all, you must remove and replace. In verse 12, he says, let us therefore cast off and let us put on. Remove and replace. Look, remove worldly music and replace it with godly music. Last night we had some of the young people live streaming. I don't know if you guys saw it, but we had them live streaming some instrumental music. Hey, that's great. That's on, that's on YouTube. You say, I feel like listening to something worldly. Turn that on. Sing along. How, how do I get victory over sin? You remove and replace. See, you remove the worldly crowd and you replace them with a godly crowd. You remove worldly music and you replace it with godly music. You remove worldly entertainment, you replace it with godly entertainment. See, let us therefore cast off and let us put on. But then here's the second piece of advice for getting victory. Not only must we remove and replace, but we must not provide opportunity. He says there in verse 12, he says, make not provision for the flesh. Make not provision for the flesh. Here's what that means. If you have a problem, if you have a struggle... 
with drunkenness, with alcoholism, then don't walk into a bar. But, you know, no Christian should walk into a bar. Like, oh, you know, I'm just going to walk in that bar and get a glass of water. No, you're not. <laughs> make no provision for the flesh. Don't make an opportunity for the flesh. First Thessalonians, if you would, First Thessalonians chapter 5, if you can find the T-books, they're all clustered together. You're there in Romans, you've got First, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll finish here. First Thessalonians chapter 5, look at what the Bible says. Ye are all the children of light. And the children of the day. We are not of the night. Nor of darkness. Therefore. He says, look, you're, you're not children of the darkness, you're children of the light. You're not children of the night, you're children of the day. So he says, therefore, he says, for that reason, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. Then he says this, putting on putting on. Then he gives us that list from Ephesians 6, right? The armor of light from Romans 13, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. He says, look, there is a conflict between darkness and light. Darkness does not comprehend light. Darkness is at odds with light. Ye are the children of light. And therefore, you are in conflict with darkness. But the only way you can actually fight darkness is to suit up. Is to put on the armor of light. Is to get ready to fight and engage in spiritual warfare. Next week, we're going to talk about actually fighting spiritual warfare. How do we fight in spiritual warfare? But before you even get there, you got to take off the world. And you got to put on the armor of light. You say, is it that simple? It's literally that simple. Now, we make it difficult. We make it complicated. Our flesh makes it complicated. But you just decide. You just choose. Do I want to walk in darkness? Now, here's how you do it. You don't set yourself up for failure. You cut off the world. I'm not talking about being an Amish person. I'm not talking about, you know, I never want to talk to anybody in the world. But we cut off the world. We don't yoke ourselves up with the world. The world does not provide our main source of fellowship and friendship. We're friendly with them, but we realize that the children of darkness, the children of the world, and the children of God are two different things. We cut off the world, and then we cast off the world. You don't separate from the world, but bring the worldliness with you. You take it off. You take off drunkenness. You take off wantonness. You take off chambering. You take off the clothing of this world and you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. And Lord, I pray you'd help us as Christians to learn this concept of separation and sanctification. We're separated from the world unto God. We are sanctified from the world unto God. Lord, help us to be people who would be sanctified. People 
who would be holy. Lord, help us to prepare to engage in spiritual warfare because the truth of the matter is this. The fight's coming whether we like it or not, whether we're ready for it or not. And when the devil shows up, when that roaring lion shows up, we don't want to be trying to figure out where our armor is. want to have it on. want to be ready to engage, to fight, to stand. Lord, I pray you'd help us. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to have Brother Matt.